Hi, welcome to the Get to Yes podcast. Neil Osborne from The Sales Catalyst is our host. He teaches, coaches, consults, and speaks on business subjects that help hair, beauty, and aesthetic businesses become commercially clever and highly profitable. Throughout this series, Neil talks with a variety of industry experts who share business tips to help you navigate your journey. Hope you enjoy it. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to yet again another episode of Get to Yes. And as we've been talking, you know, get to yes can mean one of many, many things. And for some of us, get to yes can be simply a celebration, a celebration of a great week, a celebration of some new staff, some celebration of some new clients, or even for today's subject, a celebration of some increased profit. And if that's what it is for you, welcome to Get to Yes. My guest today is oh, yet again a person I'm very excited to have on the microphone. And as always, I'd like to introduce this person to you by way of description of, yes, I'll give it to you, of his background. So we know it's a male. So there's the first part of the question answered for you. So let me tell you a little bit about this person. Firstly, today, he's a father to three beautiful children. A husband to one incredible human who happens to be one of Australia's best hairdressers. A son to a legend, and I might add, was apprenticed to that legend as well. He's been hairdressing for 34 years this year, and I'm pleased to share that I first met him about 32 years or so ago. He's enjoyed an incredibly successful career. Australian Hair Fashion Awards, Australian Hairdresser of the Year in 2014, and four-time Hair Expo Salon Team of the Year, plus many, many other finalist positions along the way. He has proven his vision and connection with both a local and a global audience, building from scratch new brands, concepts, collectives, and individual profiles before developing them to benchmark status in business and creativity. He is most well known and recognized as a truly inspirational hairdresser. He's passionate about our industry, his team, his salon, and of course, his family. Please welcome to the microphone, Emiliano Vitale. Welcome, Emiliano. Thank you very much, Neil. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, uh, it's absolute delight. Yeah, 32 years. It's, uh, I, I, I say this to you all the time, and you're going to remember this, but for everybody that's listening, sometimes we say things to people and we think they may be fleeting, but you never know the impact that you make on people. And a very long time ago, Neil, it was probably about 30 years ago, you introduced me to one of your colleagues, somebody who was working for you at the time. And you said to them, you introduced me and said, this is Emiliano Vitali. One day he's gonna be a very important man. And uh, they're words that I've always lived, tried to live up to, Neil. And the, you know, we, we take for granted sometimes what we say to people, but the impact that we have lasts forever. And I wanna thank you for, for saying that about 30 years ago. You gave me wow. something to live up to. Well, wow, thank you. Uh, look, I, I, uh, I, we were chatting before we came online here about, you know, just the whole family and the culture um, of your father. And uh, no doubt a lot of that respect that I have for him has rubbed off for my respect for you, Emiliano, because just the whole culture of the way your family has approached the passion of hairdressing uh, and what you've all brought to the industry, I think is absolutely 
Well, I know there's many of us that are in awe uh, of where you've achieved and no doubt where you've still got a long way to go. So uh, congratulations on behalf of all of us. It's lovely. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Um, today, our opportunity is to share. Uh, our opportunity is to use some of our experience to give back or to put back into uh, into the industry where we can, Emiliano, because, you know, we, as we talk on the microphone today, yet again, we are in another lockdown um, here in Sydney where both of us are based. And uh, it's been very trying times, let alone for our cousins in uh, Victoria and in particular Melbourne. I can only imagine or I know how difficult it's been for them. So our journey today is to dig in and share a little bit of experience that you've had from your early days and some of the financial challenges that you may be faced in those early days that could really help some of the younger hairdressers in our industry at the moment, well, to reflect, move forward and even learn. So Emiliano, after you finished uh, your apprenticeship, maybe help us with a little bit of a background as to where you went to then and some of the challenges and some of the learnings you had in those very early days. Well, back when I finished my apprenticeship, it was all about uh, jumping on a plane, heading to London and uh, trying to make something of yourself over there. Um, or even just learning, you know, today we have so much available to us. We, we just jump on our phone and hit Instagram and, or YouTube and, and everything's accessible all the time. But back mm. in those days, you know, we, we had to jump on the plane, head over to London and uh, unless the teams were coming over here, but that's where the best hairdressers in the world were. That's where the best training was. Mm. So yeah, I, I spent just uh, oh, about 18 months about 18 months over there and uh, learned some very important lessons there, which is uh, you got to really, really work hard mm -hmm. for, for your money. I remember um, a successful day was when I could buy myself a Twix bar, uh, which was 19p. And uh, every, you know, that, that, was, uh, that, that was a successful day because basically we lived on, uh, on our tips back then. And mm -hmm. the only way I was getting tips was shampooing because I went over there as a qualified hairdresser and spent six months retraining and assisting mm -hmm. my my boss or you know the, the salon owner back then so it was it was really interesting times but what i learned then and, and the most important thing and it's a really important lesson is to do more than what you paid for because by doing more than what you paid for um most people take the road of least resistance and most people try and mm -hmm. do the least amount possible and i'm not bagging anyone out that's just the human condition you know but if you if you always do more than what you're paid for you're always going to be in people's eyes and you're always going to be there when things are getting handed out like i say to one of my apprentices now and, and this boss ozzy rizzo his name is and i worked for ozzy and tony rizzo and um he always said to me be the first one to work and the last one to leave because that's where the magic happens so, um, mm. yeah, so that's true. a very important one. That's, that's very, very true indeed. And, uh, you know, we see so little of that these days. And this is the, the, the culture that we were talking about and referring to either, uh, sorry, earlier, because it is all about just what you put in um, rather than what you expect to get out. And uh, I couldn't agree with you more. So in the early days as a salon owner, uh, Emiliano, what were, you know, this is when we stepped up and started, well, counting the dollars, we, uh, you know, being responsible for the money, you know, paying the bills and having staff to well, worry about um, as we do. And uh, what sort of some of the learnings that you had in that, in that sphere of your um, career? 
Well, I, I learned what it was like working 90 hours a, a week for nothing. So that was a really big learning for me back then when I first opened. And, and you asked me in, in a message the other day was what, would, what advice would you give yourself? But I think the most important thing is, is knowing how to break up your income. So, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, your turnover. So say your turnover is 100%. Well, we know instantly that 10% uh, of that is the government. So let's just put that aside and let's forget about counting gross. Let's count net. So, you, you know, that's the first thing. So you, you, you'd put the tax away so that doesn't belong to us. Put it into another account, hopefully an account that, you know, doesn't cost you any money. But first and foremost, put that 10% there. Uh, I wish somebody, well, back when I started, there was no GST. So it, it got introduced, yeah, as the year before I, when I opened my second salon, that's when it was introduced, the day of, um, which will be 21 years on Thursday was when the GST was introduced. So there you go. Um, next thing, um, it's just breaking it up, knowing how much we should be spending on products and detailing a little bit more, knowing how much we should spend on uh, our professional products, which is colors and, and, and products that we're using in the salon. Uh, how much we should spend on retail, which is basically just replenishing what's being sold each week. That's what that's the way that we do it. Know how much uh, your non-productive staff are going to cost you and have a percentage based on that. Then your productive staff, which is your hairdressers or your beauticians or whatever it is, those that generate income. So you want a percentage for that. Then there's a percentage for the directors, which is you and your partner or whatever it is. Then there's profit and then there's everything else. Uh, so, you know, you said a very interesting thing um, earlier about a book that you read and, and it was interesting because it just hit me because the first thing that I do is I always put, I try to put 8% away uh, right at the very beginning. So once we take the, the tax away and we're left with, with the net amount, I try and take 8% of that and, uh, and then I run my business, including my wages and my profit on 92% because that 8%, doesn't belong to me, doesn't belong to my team, it belongs to the company. So the company has something always in, uh, in reserves. Isn't that incredible? Because what happens is we quite often will work and work and work and work out what we believe we need to bring in. But so few people actually get to realize it, Emiliano. So few people yeah. actually get to see it in a bank account. You know, I, I hear of people going to the accountant at the end of the year and they, and the accountant goes, congratulations, you've had a great year. Look, here's, you know, a hundred thousand dollars profit. And then you say to the accountant, well, where is it? And he goes, oh, yeah. well, you've, you've probably spent it by now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's fictitious. Yeah. It, and this yeah. is the thing that I think we've got to really start to talk to people in our industry and try to help them understand because, you know, when moments like COVID happens, if you are not across your numbers, I mean, gee whiz, that, that's awfully painful. Um, you know, if you, if you not across, you know, your rents and, and what percentages need to go where, I think that can be a, a real struggle. Were there any, were there any moments where you weren't making money and, and, you know, in those early days oh. when I think it was your double base salon, was that your first yeah, salon, wasn't oh, it? Yeah. Yeah. I never made money. Uh, Neil, in seven years that I was there, I, I never made a, I never made money. You know, I, in the last year and a half, I paid myself a senior salary. Mm. Um, you know, which, which wasn't much, which wasn't much back then. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I know what it's like. And I was saying to you before, I know what it's like mm -hmm. to, to work all day, cash up and do nothing and zero. I know what it's like to, you know, cash up at the end of the day and do $15,000. I, 
you know, I'm not saying that to impress anybody, but to impress upon people that I know what it's like both ends. And, and yeah. equally, you've got to work hard on both ends. One's much more mentally draining, one's more physically draining, but you're the same person. You're the same person in both situations. The difference is, is, is the attitude and the intent in which we place our output. I think that's yep. one of the biggest differences. Very true. Now, back in those early days, and let's just dive into this for a moment, um, in that uh, double bay salon, you know, if you look back on that now, what would you, would you have done anything differently uh, than what you did then? I mean, obviously in those early days, you were, you know, full on into work, work, work and, and produce, produce, produce. And then, as you said, there were moments where you, you know, rang up at the end of the day and there wasn't enough there. Um, you're looking back on that, you know, because there's no doubt salons that are in that position. Um, and I think everyone goes through it, unfortunately, at some point. But what would you have done differently if you had your time over? Would you have paid those rents? Would you have had that size floor space? Would you have had that many staff? I mean, what sort of things would you have changed? I wouldn't have gone into the area because I, I didn't suit the area. Um, I allowed my ego to, to take me to, to Double Bay and it was an opportunity. Uh, Neil, you've known me for a long time. I was always very, very ambitious. I always wanted to be uh, one of the biggest things. I always wanted to be one of the most famous hairdressers in the world. Um, yep. it, that was that was main, the main reason behind that was my self-loathing. And I thought the bigger and more famous I became, the better I would feel about myself. So let me tell you something. The bigger and more famous I became, the more self-loathing self that, that actually comes with that because you, you're just constantly doubting yourself. So... I think yeah. uh, if I could go back to that time, I would turn around to my, myself and say, mate, you're enough exactly as you are. But mm. what you just need to do is find out what your greatest strengths are and really work towards those. Don't waste too much time on your weaknesses. You want to strengthen your weaknesses a little bit. However, you want to really put in as much time and effort and is making your strengths really, really strong because what happens is if this is what's happened to me when you make your strengths great when you find out what you're good at and what you're naturally talented at and you put all those you put everything into that one basket what happens is it's a funny thing every everybody around you seems to think you're good at everything Okay, so what happens is people then start want to be around you so you start to attract people that have strengths that you don't have and so all of a sudden what happens is so say for example for me i was a great cutter and mm -hmm. i am great at connecting with individuals i love people one-on-one -on -one. i yeah. don't like to coach people i like to cut their hair so what mm -hmm. happens is I'm a, it's allowed me to get to a point where i can charge a premium yeah, not as much as our be my best friend, Dario Catrania, who's <laughs> like about $38,000 for a haircut now. <laughs> but, you know, it allows me to charge a lot of money for what I do. Yep. So then all yep. of a sudden, I attract people that are also great at what mm -hmm. they do or have the ambition and the talent to be great at something. So, okay, mm. so going back to the 22-year-old that opened the first salon, I would have put more energy and time and effort into making my strengths better. I wouldn't mm. have wasted uh, time employing people that know what I know and do what I do. I would have put the money into employing the ones that are aligned with my core values as, as whoever I am as a person, mm. as a business, and mm. fill in the voids that I'm missing. Yeah. 
Okay, so you know, and let's just bring that back onto a, a the, you know the floor, the working floor. So in that example, you know, you being a cutter and a stylist, you maybe bring some colorists in, for example, or you may look at you know if the budget allowed someone to manage the team via the reception, for example, rather than you getting drawn into that. Is that what you mean by that example? That's that's exactly right. So having somebody that will look after the front desk but yep. not enough just to answer the phone because sometimes that phone doesn't ring because I know what it's like when the mm -hmm. phone doesn't ring. So if you're paying somebody that's sitting at the front waiting for the phone to ring or somebody to walk in or to take a bill, well, that eats away at you as well. So yes. yeah, if you're in a situation where you can't really afford that, um, maybe finding somebody that is able to answer the phone and take bills and help you with your ordering and help you train your your team and mm -hmm. make the coffee and sweep the floor and things like that so it's all about getting the right person for that uh yeah. for that role but that he's able to do other roles because what happens is you can't let and with all due res all respect to apprentices but you can't allow apprentices to answer the phone uh, i would rather i would rather go to a voicemail and i call them when i get the opportunity than having an apprentice answer the phone especially in these days in these times that we're living now i won't yeah. go into that it's nothing against apprentices but they don't have the experience to be dealing with with with, with the consumers unless yeah. you're talking about an adult apprentice that's been in in customer service and things oh. like that that's that's a different situation did you feel that you had apprentices did you have apprentices i should say at uh, double bay um yeah, I did. I did. I, I had a young girl. I had quite a few. Uh, one young girl, her name was Natalie. Uh, she was probably my, my best and, and my favorite. She really mm. was in terms of, um, now, not that I understood what values were back then, but her, her values of family, her values mm. of uh, joy, mm -hmm. and, um, and then hard, the work ethic. She was amazing. Like I had some great people over that time, but I just had the wrong people for what I needed. Yeah. And the numbers weren't stacking up. The, the, yeah. The numbers weren't stacking up. Exactly. Right. I, when I, I, cause I bought the salon, um, of a fellow by the name of Scott James and it was, it was a okay. reasonably successful salon yep. back mm -hmm. then. Um, but the mistake I made was I tried to bring my father's hornsby shopping center structure to a high-end double bay salon and so i restructured the wages and i wasn't rewarding people i wasn't paying people for what they were bringing in and and um i tried to put them into a box the box that i knew yes in exactly yes well we quite often make our decisions um and especially even financial decisions based on what we've learned in life you know the way that we grew up the what our parents have taught us i mean your dad being a salon owner i know uh, samuel had because uh, i used to do business with him he had some very strong um thoughts and attitudes towards the way the money was handled and and you know little and his own just work ethic um you know so that's how we i suppose how we learn and back in those days there weren't opportunities like this to share and to open up you you, you sort of was a much more of a closed shop as far as the learning and especially when it came to money uh, yeah it was, wasn't it? it was much harder to open up and have that conversation with people yeah never tell people how good you're going because they, mm. they will want you to do bad and never you know all these things that are just are so uh you know 1960s sicily italy yep. you know it's yes. like yeah, yes. it's like if you ask if an Italian, if you go up to an Italian, and say, "Hey, how are you going?" They go, and they say, "Yeah, good." 
And they say, geez, you're looking healthy. That means that you put on about 15 kilos and things like this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, there's those ingrained uh, things that don't do any any good but yeah. exactly what you said that like there is so much information available to us today that mm. uh, are, are priceless it is truly now um moving from double bay you moved to warunga um and as yeah. you said just on 21 years ago um e-salon which today is uh, recognized i think in many parts of the world uh congratulations again on that success that you've had there what would be Thank some you. of the the pillars that that have given you that structure and allowed you to build and operate the way you do up there at Warunga because it is truly a beautiful place to be. Yeah, I uh, I think what, one of the core things that has made us successful is is we had the good fortune to have family. Uh, mm -hmm. It was my uh, my cousin Valerio, yep. uh, my now wife Lisa, my father, and, and myself. So we were we were four. Uh, well, initially when we opened, there was a three of us dad. Valerio and I and, and we were just you know it's like 50 hours a week the three of us so collectively 150 hours a week you know collectively at that stage maybe 60 70 years worth of experience and we just put our heads down and just worked hard so nice. irrespective of what anybody says there's no fast way to success you got to put your head head down and work hard the difference is is the end result is the multiplication of hard work multiplied by what we learn multiplied by the intent behind that oh, now so true the, so true the intent is the most important thing that i've found in those years and and that intent is is about okay so if we if we think about what we learn is about the books that we read um the people that we speak to and our experiences in life so that's an external thing however the intent is all about an internal discovery and diving inside with everything that we've learned on the outside and nobody can can give that to you you're not going to get that from this podcast you're not going to get it from a book you're only going to get it when you when you take a good long hard look in the mirror and first of all accept yourself for who you are and, and what you are and it's a very difficult thing because and it's challenging and it's always changing each and every day mm. however um, that's one of the secrets to success is that there. Um, sorry, Neil, I, I know I've digressed a, a little bit, but so much of profitability is all about, um, it, it's all about our intention. And I know you want to talk yes. numbers and I, I really will get to that, but it's the intention behind it. Do we just want numbers for the sake of numbers? Yeah. Oh. Uh, if, if, you know, or because what happens is it's a lot it's whether it aligns with our core values as a human being that's Thank what COVID's talked me taught yep. me you know no, uh, Emilio, if i could if i could just pass a comment there i've uh, over the years i've come across so many salon owners who went into business just to make money just to make a quick buck and and really did everything they wanted to you know they could about the money and i'd have to say to you they're not the ones that are still around they're not the ones who were highly successful the ones who are highly successful are for me a core group of people that are very passionate not only about the skill that they have but what they can do for people with that skill and and yeah. it was almost like money came third or fourth and they're the ones who are not only financially successful today but are happiest um, most fulfilled and uh you know all of those other 
emotions that we hope to enjoy by being successful. But what I must admit I've learned along the way is that there are three or four pillars in this balancing act of being at ease or at peace with ourselves. And unfortunately money is one of those. And, you know, I think you, you know, I, I love where you come from because this is the stuff that can really change people is their thought process, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's yeah. what can really change people um, and, and why they're doing it. I mean, I know some salon owners who are still only working a couple of days a week and they're not making much money, but geez, I tell you what, they're as happy as. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so true. Like, you know, you know Neil, Neil it, it, okay. What is success? Is success yeah. the mm. profit at, at the end at, on, on the bottom or is mm. success having a smile on your face? So yep. I, mm. I've, I've worked, I've worked it to this point. How much do I need? Yep. How much do I need to be happy? How much do I need to live the life that I want to be an example to my children and yep. live a peaceful life? That's all I need. I don't need any more than that. Mm-hmm. If anything else comes from that, it's a bonus. That's it. So once I once I've figured out what I need, mm-hmm. then everything else is built around that. You know, if yeah. I only need ten dollars a day to live on, well, there's no point having ten staff members or ten team members. If That's I it. need a thousand dollars a day, well, then I might only need one team member. But if I need a hundred thousand dollars a day, then I might need, you know, an army. But that's, that's what we've got to work out is mm. we, so, so I think it's um, start with the end in mind, you know, and, and yes. you know, that's a, that's the best uh, piece of advice that I could give anybody. So first of all, how much as a hairdresser, how much would you be prepared to earn if you went to work for somebody else? Mm-hmm. So if that's, let's just say it's $50,000 a year. I know it's more than that, but let's just say it's $50,000 a year. Okay. So pay yourself $50,000 a year to start with. Then, you know, set up a target like you would any other hairdresser. But, and then, so you take your wage out, out of it. So you've got to pay yourself a wage straight away as the, the main hairdresser there. And then the, there's the profit underneath. So how much is, is enough in there? You know, do you want it to be $50,000 profit a year? So work out, okay, how much do I need to earn per minute um, in, in my environment? And then you work your, you, you charge your prices based on that. So for haircut, so for, say, for example, I know for me to earn profit-wise after my wages yeah. and after the 8% that I put away for my business, but it, it, the profit that I need to earn, as a company, we need to charge $141 an hour. Yep. So I build all my, you know, some services are more than that and mm. some services are less than that. But at the end of the day, I know what I need to earn, you know, yeah. I, and I'm, you know, that, that's what I work towards. And I think that's a really powerful thing because quite often when we start out in business, we don't do those calculations. We're, we're so preoccupied maybe with the colour of the walls and the colour of the tiles, um, yeah. but so less occupied with how does the dollars stack up? We spoke earlier before we come online about, you know, some of your percentages and how you allocate certain percentages off in different areas. At what point in time in your career did you move into that space where you went from, you know, how much, how much money was in the till to ultimately what percentages went where, was there a point in time where that sort of uh, kicked in for you? Yeah. Um, oh, like being strict with percentage, like really seriously strict with percentages was probably three years ago. Right. Uh, Anthony Whitaker and I worked yep. on, on my percentages. Right. So that yep. was when I really got serious about it. 
in terms of the 8% right at the very beginning, um, you know, Simon Fit. And yep. I remember having a, flight, a fleeting conversation with Simon and he said one of his friends back in the UK always pays themselves first. Mm -hmm. uh, again, a fleeting comment, it must have been mm -hmm. 10, 15 years mm -hmm. ago. And that's when I started to think, geez, that's what I should be doing. So at that point, I, I just set a figure in my head. I never wanted to have less than $100,000 in our business account. Uh, and and once, once we got to that, that was then put aside. And mm -hmm. then I built up another little pile, which is our, um, yep. our pile, to, our everyday banking, you know, but mm -hmm. that was the most important. And there was only, the, the only way to, to get there was to set a percentage that I had to put away. So, you know, I figured, you know, if we're doing $1.5 million a year, what's 8% of that, you know, mm -hmm. uh, what is it? 80, 80, 120,000. Yep. Yeah. So yep. I had to, I, I had to, you know, get $120,000 now to earn $120,000 to then just put somewhere else. It was very, very hard to do in just one year. Mm -hmm. So it took mm -hmm. us about five or six years to get to that hundred thousand dollars that I would never have to touch. Yep. And yep. Um, you know, that's not putting money away and then taking that money out of that account and and paying tax with and paying wages. That's an, that's a COVID nineteen savings account. Thank you very much. Every, everybody says, you know, you've got to save to a for a rainy day. Well, you know, sadly, most of us that have been around and, and I'm 49, I'll be turning 50 in November. And I didn't expect that the rainy day would come in my lifetime, but it yes, came. Thank and, you. And that is so me, important. That's so important. I mean, we, we, we heard that from when we were very, very young from our parents, you must save for yeah. rainy day, you must, but it never really came home until moments like this. And part of the uh, reason that we're talking is that, you know, as I mentioned to you, I've been, you know, I've got now, well, I've become financially certified to teach this Profit First system. And one of the things about Profit First is that you build a, uh, a profit account of which then as a side of that, you have what's called a vault account which is your $100,000 account. And that's an account that sits there. And that account should be to the value of three times your monthly cost to operate. So at any given time, you've got three months worth of turnover sitting somewhere so you can sleep at the night time. And, yeah. you know, for those people who came into COVID and they had some sort of reserves, most of them have got through it reasonably okay because of just they were able to sleep at night. The ones who haven't have been stressed beyond belief. And really, I mean, I'm now, I'm now seeing, as I'm sure you are, salons now being posted left, right and centre on the Victorian market, need to sell, need to sell, need to sell. And we know why. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, Emiliano, you know, as we, as we come to the back end of our chat today, it's been unbelievably valuable to share some of these insights to, well, from a young guy I got to meet many, many years ago to now a truly accomplished and professional well, businessman. Um, you know, you've moved beyond, well, I wouldn't say moved beyond being a hairdresser, that would be unfair, but you've added to the skill set of being a very accomplished hairdresser to now being a very accomplished businessman. And uh, to that, I say congratulations, mate. That's an awful mantle, awfully great mantle um, to be able to achieve. And you're still not 50 yet. Holy jolly. <laughs> That's really great. Um, one thing I do like to do at this stage, Emiliano, is I do like to share to people if they want to 
take a step because listening and learning is one thing, but doing, as we've all learnt over the years, is something totally different. So I like to put an offer out in these podcasts where I simply just say, look, if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast and you'd like to learn a little bit more about numbers, all you need to do is drop me an email, a message, whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, drop me a message with the word profit in it. And I will send you a very simple little tool. It's a little um, spreadsheet, a little chart, and it's called an instant profit assessment. And it will show you in percentage terms where all your numbers are and where all your numbers need to be. And if that's simply the first step that you take as a result of this podcast, the time that Emiliano and I have put aside for you today has been truly rewarding for both of us. So I urge you to uh, jump in and take that opportunity. Emiliano, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you today. Thank you. Um, and you've really imparted some incredible wisdom um, and some really great points for people to listen to and uh, think back to a young 22-year-old Emiliano stepping into his salon in Double Bay. Um, and I must have been, I do remember bumping into you around that time and you're in the very early days of that was just sheer excitement. So Emiliano, you've, uh, you've had a tremendous journey. Um, is there anything you'd like to say in closing? uh just take the time look at yourself in the mirror and accept yourself for who you are and that tomorrow is not necessarily what yesterday was tomorrow will be the sum of what lives inside your heart and the intentions behind it so and god bless you thank you mate thank you very very much indeed and uh i wish you all the best and i look forward to seeing you uh fairly soon once we're on the other side of COVID. that'll be lovely all the best thanks again for your time today Thanks, Neil. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Get to Yes podcast. If you like what you've heard, please share it with others who also want a more profitable business. Until our next episode, you can visit Neil at thesalescatalyst.com.au.